Welcome to Knowledge on the Go, the podcast brought to you by the PI Collaborators team at Vizient. I'm Courtney Furrow-White, Performance Improvement Program Director here at Vizient, and your host for today's episode. Today, we'll be talking about the roles technology plays in the patient care at home paradigm. Interestingly, this concept of care at home is not really new if you think about it. Physicians used to provide house calls for many decades, yet after about the 1970s, the practice significantly declined. But now, it's staging a comeback, and it spans across the spectrum of services from primary care to urgent care to recovery at home and even full-blown hospital-at-home care models. In a way, I guess you could say we're going back to the future with care at home. So fasten your seatbelt and rev up the DeLorean for today's podcast. Our guests today include Dr. Joe Cummings, the Technology Program Director in PI Collaboratives, whose job it is to help members identify and evaluate innovative technologies, and Andrew Rebhan, a consulting director in the SG2 Intelligent Program, supporting system of care through research and virtual health strategy. So Dr. Joe and Andrew, let's find out what you know. Welcome to the podcast. Happy to be here. Thank you. Thanks, Courtney. First off, Andrew, can you tell me about some of the trends in technology that may be driving or enabling this renewed interest in patient care in the home? Sure. So there's a lot going on in the technology space. If you think about just even the past couple of years or really the past few decades, we've had computing hardware that's getting smaller and more affordable. We have processing power that's increasing significantly. We have this massive volume of digital data that's coming into our health systems. This is fueling decision support tools and other forms of intelligent automation. And even just from the patient or consumer standpoint, we're becoming hyper-connected through smartphones, wearables, virtual assistants, and just a whole host of other virtual services. When you think about online self-service functions or app-based therapeutics, digital wayfinding, the list goes on and on. And that's all in addition to just the broader macro forces that we're dealing with. And I think one of the big macro forces that's leading into this focus in the home is just the rise of consumerism, right? We have the influence of new disruptors in the marketplace, a focus on improving the patient experience. So Joe, looking at the big picture, can you describe some of the types of technology that might be needed for the patient care at home model? Sure. One technology domain in this new paradigm is the hospital IT infrastructure itself. You'll probably need things like modules for the EHR. For example, you might have a recognition and notification module so that when a patient shows up in the ER or in the clinic and they have the right indication and criteria that says you're eligible to participate in the care at home model, so then the EHR might kick off the notification process. A hospital tech infrastructure also has to be able to take in the data streams from the remote environment, and it has to be able to keep track of and coordinate things like supply deliveries or nurse visits. And then the hospital information systems need to be able to document all of the care and the touch points with the patient. Another broad category technology that I think you need to think about is what kind of home IT equipment is needed, and is this going to be provided by the hospital or can use the patient's own routers and Wi-Fi and mobile devices? And this kind of leads into telemedicine equipment, which is really another technology that plays a critical role in this paradigm. So here we're probably talking about a turbocharged version of the video visits that we've all been doing during the pandemic. And then another technology category that's going to play a big clinical role in the home paradigm is remote patient monitoring. And we're talking about all those kinds of sensors for vital signs and things like the capability to collect patient-reported symptoms and outcomes. And then lastly, if it's some kind of high-acuity situation, you probably have therapeutic technologies. So, for example, this might include infusion pumps and oxygen delivery and things of that nature. 
So Andrew, how does patient acuity affect the technology needs? So it is important to make this distinction because there isn't a singular approach to providing patient care in the home. If you think about care at home programs, they could actually be segmented based on where they lie along the spectrum of acuity. The lower acuity side, this is maybe where we start to think about wellness management, patient self-monitoring, maybe even with devices that they already own, and engaging with the remote care team as needed. Whereas on the other side of the scale, we're dealing with higher risk monitoring. This is likely where we're going to start to use curated kits, pre-approved or FDA-cleared devices alongside that durable medical equipment and whatever other technology needs that we might require, like imaging, for example. But all that being said, I think one of the important points behind all of this is that despite the difference in requirements across these different care at home programs, there needs to be that underlying digital platform or IT foundation that's going to tie all of these together. When you think about data collection and analysis or just driving some downstream decision, those foundational efforts around things like virtual visits and remote monitoring and data collection, those are going to scale across all of these different types of programs that I mentioned. So we know that telemedicine is obviously a big part of this care paradigm. Joe, what are some of the technology considerations for enhancing the telehealth aspect? Well, for one thing, I I think that a sign of maturity and, and probably a benchmark of a good home care program is having a customizable, configurable variety of available options for how you're going to handle the computing hardware and the interface between the technology and the patient and the hospital. So this means that the hospital needs to be able to handle whatever the patient's needs are rather than making the patient do what you need them to do IT-wise. So one way you can kind of do this is to create an assessment tool that's used to determine say, the technology savvy of the patient. Sometimes you need to have someone in the program dedicated to setting up all the IT systems at the very first home visit so that they make sure that everything's in working order and that the patient knows how to use it. I'd really like the idea of the hospital providing the dedicated tablet to the patient whenever that's possible. Because again, it's going to be much simpler for the patient, but also it provides an enhanced level of cybersecurity. So, for example, you can lock down the provided device so only the hospital has administrator privileges, and so this can reduce the potential for malware or third-party app downloads. If you provide the tablet, the Bluetooth vulnerability is minimized a little bit because you're only using it for short periods of time. And one last thing I'd like to highlight regarding the telemedicine technology domain is that I think for it to reach its full potential. It really has to be made comparable to the in-person visit. In an in-person visit, the doc may put the stethoscope to your chest to listen to your heart and lungs. They may need to look in your ears or down your throat or something like that. There is some technology now available that can do this kind of stuff in real time with feedback to the physician during the telemedicine visit. And I think really we're going to see more and more of this type of telemedicine technology both now and in the future. Okay, so remote patient monitoring is a megatrend in healthcare that we mentioned earlier. Andrew, can you tell us more about the types of sensors and parameters that are being monitored? Sure. So when you think about the connection between just the rise of sensor technology with digital devices and with always-on connectivity, we're really just talking about the Internet of Things. And the way that healthcare providers 
are now starting to gather just an immense amount of data to continually assess patients. But there's so much more that we could be gathering across different health measures. We could be using wearables in our smartphones, smart clothing, and other types of personal emergency response systems for tracking patient activity and patient location. We've got thermometers, sound meters, air quality monitors that could be tracking our physical environments in our home. We're using smartphones with their embedded cameras and microphones now to track our moods, analyzing our voice and our facial expressions to track patient engagement and mental health and wellness. And not only that, but now we're also even starting to leverage more advanced tech like virtual reality headsets as digital therapeutics for treating different conditions. Lastly, I can think of the use of something like a diet tracking app or even sensors in our toilets or in our appliances or food scanners, all of which are being used to analyze how we're tracking patient nutrition. So lots of different use cases that go well beyond just the fundamentals of tracking patient vitals. So other than the vital signs and like that we just heard from Andrew, Joe, what other types of diagnostics can be done in the home setting? I think one of the things we haven't talked about yet is home imaging technology. The ultrasound technologies in particular are really developing quickly because you can literally carry them around in your pocket nowadays. So for example, you might be able to do a home chest x-ray or a transthoracic echo exam in a patient with heart failure who's being treated at home and you know maybe use the findings from this for potential changes in their medication. And then this in turn could maybe avoid a hospitalization or an ED visit. I'm also closely following some AI-based technology that basically distills a whole array of vital signs and other data into a single index value. And then it relates that index to changes in the patient status, like if they're deteriorating or something. And there's really some interesting data developed during COVID that an index like this actually very accurately predicted COVID-related serious illness And the index even correlated pretty highly with the amount of viral load in the lungs. And then finally, I think a key focus in the future for optimizing remote patient monitoring, especially in the home paradigm, is going to be about determining just exactly which parameters we should be measuring and how often they should be measured. Now, we've collected all this patient data and have the means to store and transmit it. Andrew, what's next? Well, you can call this the intelligence stage of care delivery in the home. What all those technologies are really meant to do is augment clinical staff in performing some downstream action. So this could be related to patient segmentation or risk scoring, triaging, handling referrals and ongoing monitoring. You've got AI that's really well suited for predictive or prescriptive modeling and alerts. We're also focused on how we can start to drive not just sustaining patient engagement through something like personalization and gamification, but also on the clinician side, how are we improving care team coordination? So this could be related to something like an online task management system that's driving unified communications. It's helping with logistics and inventory management for care in the home, and also the ability to intervene as necessary, right? Schedule those in-person clinical interventions, whether it be labs or imaging or even coordinating with EMTs and community paramedics. So that's the downstream action that follows all of this intelligence process. So Joe, I know you like to talk about the clinical evidence. Do you have any success stories you can share regarding how some hospitals have used home care technology? 
For the hospital at home, for example, there are some studies out of places like Johns Hopkins, Brigham and Women's, and Mayo. And I'd say they've consistently shown things like lower costs, lower length of stay, comparable or better safety and efficacy outcomes, things like fewer readmissions, fewer ED visits, and really some pretty significantly high patient satisfaction numbers with the home care paradigm. So, for example, there's a recent randomized controlled trial from Brigham and Women's Hospital, and and they found that in their hospital-at-home model, they were able to demonstrate a 38% reduction in costs, 70% reduction in readmissions, and a 50% improvement in patient mobility. There's actually one meta-analysis out there that included 61 trials of different home care paradigms. And in this systematic review, they actually noted a 20% lower mortality rate in the home care patients. Similarly, you could look at chronic disease remote patient monitoring programs. And generally, these also find better outcomes like better A1C or reduced blood pressure or fewer heart failure decompensation episodes. Also things like better morbidity and mortality, and again, fewer readmissions and ED visits. So overall, I'd say there is some pretty good evidence and results. That's a lot of great evidence, Joe. So we know technology, especially in the digital space, such as artificial intelligence and the Internet of Things, is progressing so rapidly in healthcare. What do you think the future holds for technology in the patient care at home space? Yeah, I'll step in on this one. So I recently did a thought experiment in our SG2 research on a question that relates to this, where I'm thinking of a hypothetical patient, a middle-aged male working professional, say someone who has a history of hypertension and anxiety, maybe recently diagnosed as a diabetic, whose primary goals are eating healthy, reducing stress, staying active, right? How might digital technologies play a role throughout just a typical day in the life of this patient? So if we kind of walk through this scenario, patient wakes up in the morning, sensors in his mattress, maybe the bedside virtual assistant, they've been tracking his body temperature, laying position, breathing patterns throughout the night. That virtual assistant can also lay out the patient's daily schedule, upcoming appointments, medication reminders. Patient goes up, gets into the bathroom, starts his daily routine. Maybe he has sensors that are assessing his weight. They're detecting if he falls in the bathtub. They're analyzing how comprehensive his toothbrushing routine is. Maybe he Starts with some morning exercise and mindfulness training, goes on a rowing machine. It's got a personalized program that syncs up with a wearable. For the mindfulness training, pops on a commercial VR headset, engages in a really immersive meditation app. When it's time for prepping a meal, he's got a smartphone to check his glucose via his continuous glucose monitor. He's documenting all of his meals in a food journal app. Maybe it also provides some nutritional analysis just by uploading a picture of the meal to his phone. He has a remote health coach who's texting him throughout the day, providing feedback and little behavioral nudges and just keeping him on track with his goals. Maybe the refrigerator is suggesting that he's running low on his common food items, sends him a notification so that he can order groceries via an app. And maybe in the not too distant future, it's going to be delivered in a day via drone. Say he has a doctor check-in that day. He's going to turn on his smart TV. It's got an embedded camera in there. This virtual visit, he has his doctor there with a clinical dashboard on his end to evaluate all of the patient's data from throughout the day. And perhaps he can supplement it now in the video visit with some other tests using a prescribed diagnostic kit. Say the patient during the visit says, hey, you know, I've been dealing with some knee pain recently. I'm not really sure what that's about. So they phone in a remote physical therapist. This therapist 
ask the patient to stand in front of the camera on the TV, maybe conduct some stretches, some guided movements. Maybe he's got a virtual avatar that the patient can mimic on the screen. Maybe there's some AI in the camera software that's also analyzing his movements and just spotting areas of weakness. And as the day winds down, you've got this patient who can turn on his portable cleaning bot that's autonomously going around his house, sweeping the floors, maybe using UV light to disinfect surfaces. As the patient's going off to bed, you got a virtual assistant playing some therapeutic soundscapes to help him fall asleep, maybe automatically adjusting the thermostat to help him stay asleep throughout the night. So just a kind of a fun thought experiment. But if you think about just the, the possibilities of the smart home of the future and just the increasingly sensor-embedded, digitally-enabled, ambient environments that we could live in, I think it holds a ton of potential. Courtney, I would just add, this could be a topic of its own podcast. We could go off on this for a long time. (laughs) And it's very interesting to think about what the future holds. But I would just add that artificial intelligence is just a transformative technology. It's in every service line and it'll be in the home too. So pretty much everything that Andrew was mentioning could also be modified or supplemented with some kind of artificial intelligence. There's probably going to be artificial intelligence chatbots, kind of like Alexa and Siri that you're talking to in your house, AI-based symptom checkers, and other things like that. The other thing, as I listened to Andrew talk, I thought about the cameras. And there's some really interesting technology that I've been following that apparently the sensors that we use for vital signs now are kind of stick on patches, and they're pretty non-invasive. But I guess they're still too invasive for some people because there's this one technology that is now claiming that they can measure all of your vital signs, including blood pressure, just by taking a video version of a selfie with your mobile phone. So again, this is kind of based on it's detecting subtle color variations due to facial blood flow. And these are all going to be interpreted by AI and then translated into your vital signs. So I guess the take-home message from this is that there's probably going to be cameras all over your home and Big Brother is going to be watching you. (laughs) Well, I agree with both of you. The possibilities with technology are definitely endless. So to sum up, do you have any recommendations for those listening on some strategies or key concepts they should be thinking about to be successful using medical technology in the home? I would say that there's four big ones that I'm focused on. First, it's around establishing this foundational digital platform. So whether a health system is establishing a formal hospital home program or rehab at home or home-based primary care, that common denominator is always going to be a robust digital infrastructure that's going to be able to scale as needed. I think the second point is, and this is more focused on the patient side of the equation, but the more passive technology can be, the better. So technology that is going to blend into the home environment, it's going to require little manual input by patients. This is not only going to alleviate a lot of the user interface burdens, but it will also help to improve the patient experience, particularly for those patients who may be averse to technology. Maybe they lack some digital literacy, but also for those patients who suffer from sensory and functional mobility impairments. I think the third point is we really got to prioritize integration. So I'm talking about aligning all of these digital endpoints with a health system's internal operations and core systems of record like the EHR or CRM, and also making sure that we're not fundamentally disrupting clinical workflows. So this integration and data interoperability, this is going to be crucial for tracking patients across the care continuum, for helping with care team coordination, for supply chain and logistics, and dealing with third-party integration services. 
And that really brings me to my final point, which is that when it comes to care in the home, I think partnerships will likely be non-negotiable. Many health system providers are just not operationally built for providing care in the home, whether we're talking about the tech or the staffing or other logistical needs. So vendors and other third parties, they can alleviate some of these challenges, whether it's the equipment management or handling the data integration, or even in some cases, running a remote command center function and managing other clinical services. So I would just say if you're a health system, play to your strengths on this one. Great, Scott. That's all the time we have for this edition of Knowledge on the Go. And before we get back into the DeLorean and activate the flux capacitor, I'd like to thank Dr. Cummings and Andrew for speaking with us today. And thank you to our listeners for taking the time to join us. And please look for future Knowledge on the Go podcasts. For Vizient's PI Collaborative's team, I'm Courtney Fur White. Please join us for more Knowledge on the Go. Subscribe today, like us, or send us your comments at picollaboratives at vizientinc.com. Inc.com.